Hello and welcome to Social Disease. I'm Bridget. And I'm Jasper. And we did it. <laughs> this is it. We gotta finish this first. <laughs> Basically. But this is the the wrap-up for seasons three and four on Netflix and all of everything we've been doing for the last two years. Yeah, I mean, this is like, what, two and a half years? Probably in a couple months, it'll be three years. It's been a long time coming for us to like finally wrap up all of the next generation plus next class. Yeah, and I didn't think it would take, I don't know how long I thought it would take. I was really trying to make this last. <laughs> so. Well, when I first was thinking of the podcast, I was like, oh yeah, we could do one season per episode and we'll be done super quick. I know, and now we're like so glad we did not do that because then we would have been done super quick and it would have been sad. Well, it also would have been like six hour episodes. <laughs> okay, no. <laughs> Which I don't think you would have ever had a problem with making either. You would have loved that. No, I could talk about Degrassi forever and ever. <laughs> I know. Yeah, well, this is our grand finale of actually like analyzing characters and stuff. But I think we've mentioned before that we're going to have an end of year, like grand, grand finale, I guess, of just talking about everything we've done so far and like general thoughts on the whole franchise, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully that'll be out by the end of 2022. Fingers crossed. <laughs> but We'll see because we're, our plan is to do it in person together. Yes, we've never actually done an in-person episode before. We always record over Zoom. So why not finish it up like that? And we have we have some thoughts as to what our next steps are. But if you have any thoughts or suggestions, what do you want to hear from us? Let us know. Yeah, absolutely. We have some ideas. You know, if anyone wants to send us free box sets of junior, senior on DVD, feel free to do that. <laughs> Jasper already has it. That would be awesome. Yeah, but before we get to that, we got to wrap up next class. So we will be closing things out with Maya, Grace, Zig, and Esme. We're going to get started with Grace. So for Grace, and also, unfortunately, some Jonah in there, in season three, she finds out that her lungs have gotten, like, really bad really quickly. So she is going to need a lung transplant very soon. Or she will die within the next three years because of her cystic fibrosis. The transplant will hopefully give her at least another 10, and hopefully even more than that, with like medical advances coming in the future, of course. So Grace is unsure whether she wants to actually go through with the transplant since there are risks involved with the transplant. She might die from the surgery itself. So she starts wondering like what the point is, like maybe I'll just live out with these shitty lungs for the next couple of years and I'll just die. But Jonah helps Grace figure things out while they go mini golfing. And Jonah helps Grace realize that she is more afraid of living than she is afraid of dying. And she wants a future for herself. She ultimately decides that she wants to get the transplant. And it's at the end of this episode that Grace runs into Maya doing her death photo shoots with Saad. Since Grace is kind of having her own struggles with death at the time, she gets very mad at Maya for doing this, especially when Maya justifies it and like sends even more pictures to her. So Grace blocks Maya from her phone and basically out of her life after that. Of course, they make up after my suicide attempt. In season three, Grace and Jonah also work on the play together. 
And it is implied at the end of the season that they have feelings for each other. And we see that that happens to be true when we come back in season four and Grace and Jonah are, I guess they're officially together, but in secret. On the first day back to school, everybody sees Grace's hickey. And they're like, oh, Grace, who are you making out with? Who's giving you the tram stamp? And when Grace doesn't tell anybody who it is, she gets accused of being a moped, which is apparently a slang term for somebody who wants to keep the relationship a secret because they're embarrassed. This gets into Grace's head and she ends up confronting Jonah. And Jonah says that he's just trying to protect Frankie's feelings since they had just recently broken up. But Grace then gets even more mad when she overhears Frankie think that she's going to be getting back together with Jonas, which then convinces Jonah to apologize, and he sings a song to Grace in public, and they officially get together. Finally, for Grace, she gets a phone call in the middle of class that a lung is ready for her to get transplanted, so she rushes to the hospital with Jonah, but unfortunately the lung does not make it in transit, I guess. I don't know how it works. But Jonah looks on the bright side and says that Grace has at least one more day to finish her bucket list in case the surgery goes terribly wrong and she dies. Grace makes a list of things that she wants to do, including pillow fight, what other things were on there, go fishing, and especially have an orgasm from the suggestion of Esme. And Grace is pretty open to the idea of having sex with Jonah, but then Jonah comes through with some fishing supplies and they have a heart to heart about sex where Jonah opens up and says that when he was on drugs in the past, he ended up getting a girl pregnant and he actually has a child who he has never seen before. So he's pretty wary of having sex because of that experience. But Jonah is open to the idea of having sex with Grace because he really cares about her. So they talk about having sex and then Grace goes home to Zoe and tells her that they are planning to have sex on prom night. We don't really get anything from Grace after that, but we see once again in the photo montage that Grace ends up getting her lung transplant. She survives and she lives happily ever after with Jonah, of course. Yay. Okay. (laughs) Start with her lungs in general because we didn't really get much of anything else i would say besides lungs and jonah jonah she was like in like what five episodes maybe where she like had her own plots basically yeah altogether she doesn't have too much for herself but i do like the few things that we do get get from her let's start with yeah i feel like her first plot is the lung transplant plot what did you think about that I know that neither of us really have much knowledge on CF and I haven't done any research, so I don't know if you have any any updates or anything to add. Yeah, like I don't know if the medical details with anything Grace does are correct, to be honest. (laughs) But like they do have Grace, she is like coughing a lot in the cutscenes. Sure. Like she pretty much coughs at least once in every cutscene she's in, I think. So at least like you're reminded that it's getting worse I guess because of that but otherwise like I don't really get too hung up on the details of the CF for me it's just like how it is affecting Grace as a character right so last time in seasons one and two we talked about how Grace was kind of shutting herself off from people because she's afraid of getting close to them because she's going to die soon right and she kind of worked through that so everybody knows that she has this illness now, and she is now more willing to be open and honest with people. But now with this lung transplant, it's kind of like a slap in the face that like, oh, I finally worked through 
making positive relationships despite my illness and now it's telling me like oh you're gonna die in three years <laughs> yeah basically what grace learns in that episode is basically the same thing that she learned last season I guess that she actually wants those meaningful long-term relationships and she actually wants to live long so that she could spend time with the people she cares about yeah that's fair I think that it's like a little odd how unprepared she was I feel like or like how fast she was to say oh I don't want it I don't care and it's like shouldn't she have known that this was kind of like how this was gonna go like she was gonna do the lung transplant like you know how how is she not more prepared in that sense I guess well wasn't it she had just found out that her lungs are a lot worse than they had thought yes but I feel like if you have that disease wouldn't they prepare you for it at some point did they just maybe think it was further down the road I guess Yeah, I feel like they initially said that CF people usually live to like 30 or 40. I don't know if they all get lung transplants, though. Yeah, I don't I don't know either. I guess anything is better than the like weird Holly J strep throat, kidney, liver transplant, whatever she did. Yeah, at least they didn't have Grace be randomly adopted. (laughs) And then sold her kidney. (laughs) Right. Or got a kidney for it. Whatever. Yeah. I could see, you know, her negativity and why she wouldn't want to get it. But also, girl, come on, like, just get it. You know, like, is Jonah really going to be the one to make you have this choice? Like, just make it yourself. I don't think, like, of course, they were having the joke that like, oh, if I win the mini golf, then you have to get the transplant. But I think it was more Jonah helped her realize that, she does want to live a long life when pretty much until recently she had kind of resigned herself to dying young and that's why she didn't make connections with people yeah I guess I mean there's just there's only really one episode about this right so there isn't much more to go off of for it I guess the only thing is is that Jonah is a good friend and Maya is not yeah (laughs) exactly which is what I think we have to talk about Because honestly, Grace blocking Maya, I feel like the blocking itself was a little extreme. I don't really tend to block people unless they're like harassing me. But I definitely understood Grace dropping Maya as a friend for sure. Okay, I did want to talk about though, when I was rewatching it, I was like, okay, Maya is very obviously depressed, like nobody's picking up on it. But Maya is also kind of like being a little bit honest about it right she's kind of like oh you know I've got a lot going on and Grace is like I understand I understand whatever and then Grace is the one to call her and say hey you've got a lot going on it's just gonna be me Jonah and Miles and Maya was like okay that's fine I have another project anyway so Grace gave her the bit like she was like you're out basically and then she has the audacity to be like how dare you have this other project? Now you're blocked. But it's like, you were the one that dropped her first. So why do you care what she's doing in her free time? Well, it's the fact that Maya's project is like romanticizing death and Grace has like been looking death in the face her entire life. So it's kind of a slap in the face to Grace. Yeah, but that also like, Grace was the one to drop Maya first. You know what I mean? Like she she got mad at Maya for like doing something. I mean, I get that it's not something that's like 
horrible and dramatic, but it just made it seem like why was Grace the one that was so mad about Maya doing this? So are you talking about with the photos when Grace walks in on the photos or like when Grace just calls Maya and says, you're out? So I'm talking about that because when she says that you're out, Maya's like, it's okay. I think I found something else anyway. But then like when Grace confronts her, she's like, you're so busy. Like, this is what you're busy with. Like, blah, blah. It's like, no, you dropped her before she was even busy with this. Well, that's because Maya was not being a reliable friend leading up to that moment. Yeah, but I also feel like it just doesn't make sense that Grace jumps to, like, this conclusion. Because, like, obviously Maya's not okay. So it's like, why, leading up to this, why would Grace be like, oh, naturally the only thing to do is, like, completely block her out of my life, even though I know she's not okay. Because why would any sane person be doing this? Grace has to take some responsibility in the fact that, like, she knew that Maya was sad and did not care. And then was also mad that Maya did not know that she was dying, even though she didn't tell her. But that's because Maya was not being a good friend herself. Like, yes, Maya was going through something, but it's not like it's Grace's job to, like, babysit her and make sure she's okay. No, but Grace is her friend. Yeah, and Grace tried, but Maya did not try. Well, what about when Maya tried by going up to her? and tried to talk to her about getting back into the play. And then she said no. Well, that was after Grace was already mad at her, right? For the pictures? Yeah, because then she was like, oh, you ratted out our play for having suicide thoughts in it. And it's like, it did. So I don't know what. It just seems like Grace is just mad about things that everybody knows are happening. And then she's like, well, now I'm mad about it. I just don't think that Grace is being a very good friend, honestly. And I know that Maya isn't either, but that doesn't mean that you just completely give up and block someone. Yeah, I definitely think the blocking was extreme, especially knowing that, like, clearly Maya is going through something, right? So I'm not saying Grace is, like, completely faultless, but I do think Maya was more at fault. I don't know, because Maya was kind of let off the hook for the stuff, so I don't really see why Grace was still as mad about it. Well, she wasn't mad that Maya wasn't helping out she was mad that Maya was doing a project that is like personally offensive to Grace I mean like it was like she was doing it with Grace that's what I'm saying it's like I don't get why Grace jumped to like we are not going to be friends anymore well because Maya bailed like a few times didn't Maya text Grace like a dozen pictures of her death photo shoots and be like oh this is for you to understand what I've been doing Right? I feel like that was kind of fucked up when Grace already expressed that she was not okay with these pictures. I mean, they probably should have had a better conversation about it, yeah. So, like, But also the amount of jokes that Grace makes about death, you'd think it wouldn't be that big of a deal. Well, I, I, do, I do think Grace was especially sensitive at that specific time because of the transplant. So I guess. I just think that Grace went a little too hard and then was like, we should have known. And I was like, Grace, everybody like knew. I'm not trying to like blame her for anything because like obviously Maya's choices weren't based on her and Grace's relationship. It just is kind of sad when Maya tries to make amends and Grace is immediately like, fuck off. Yeah, that's fair. That was just my two cents on it. Like obviously if they fix themselves in season four. Well, I mean... What are you supposed to do when your best friend does a suicide attempt, you know? (laughs) No, I think that's fair. Well, at that point, they're not best friends, but... 
sure they they have like kind of a petty fight i guess but when something that extreme happens i feel like all the petty stuff kind of goes away gotta reel it back in which i would have liked to see that more than just them getting back into it but it's okay i guess they could have apologized to each other but i don't think that was really needed probably because it would have been like Maya saying I'm sorry for being depressed and then Grace being like I'm sorry that you were depressed (laughs) (laughs) no I don't mind her I just don't like how that whole thing played out basically yeah I think the point was just like Maya is isolated from all of her friends which I guess we'll get into a bit more with Maya Grace could have done a bit more but I don't blame her for not doing more I guess okay that's fair but who cares because Grace has Jonah now, so she doesn't need Maya. I think she does, though. Or at least she needs somebody other than just Jonah. Well, they don't really do that for her. Well, I guess not necessarily Maya, but she does have Zoe. I thought it was pretty fun how there was a scene where Grace and Zoe are talking about, I, I think it was her bucket list or something. Zoe is like, to Jonah, just because you two are dating now doesn't mean you could like just butt into our conversation. Oh, so everybody hates Jonah? Honestly. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think? I honestly like watching them. I'm not shocked that they paired them together. I feel like they're both kind of just like C-level characters at this moment. And they were already hanging out so much. They built it up like over last, over the third season you know so it wasn't like super shocking it just ties into the fact that like Frankie wasn't crazy that whole time surprisingly this time (laughs) right (laughs) yeah I feel like the build-up was fine and like I don't hate them as a couple like they do have some chemistry I will give them that but to me it's just Grace should be with Zoe (laughs) oh no she can't we already know it's because Grace knows everything about Zoe, so you can't because she can't date Zoe and be friends with Maya. True, true. <laughs> that would be so mean. <laughs> Did we mention Grace being asexual last time? Yeah, I think we kind of talked about how they could have went that route. Yeah, I, I really think that would have probably been the ideal route for Grace more than anything. Mm-hmm. Just because, like, the main theme with Grace is, like, again, wanting to make connections with people, but kind of being hesitant to do so because of her illness. And I feel like her being asexual could have kind of tied into that to show that even though she's not sexually attracted to anybody, she still wants meaningful relationships with her friends. Yeah, I feel like they they probably, they should have done something more with her, but I just don't think Zoe and her would have been... (laughs) but yeah Jonah with Grace he is like a significantly nicer boyfriend than he was with Frankie it just goes to show that like he did not see Frankie as his equal like at all no absolutely not which is like even sadder to think about like I understand why he was trying to hide their relationship at first right because he didn't want Frankie to be upset probably because she was right and he <laughs> felt guilty so I get why they hit it but I think the little fight between him and Grace was kind of necessary because for real how long are you trying to hide this thing even though it sounds like it had been like one week 
Yeah, but at the same time, you don't want to think that your boyfriend is ashamed of you. Yes, which I don't think that was her... I don't know if that was her thoughts. I thought it was more that he was leading Frankie on. Grace doesn't give a shit about Frankie's feelings. Yeah, but the issue was was that he was caring about Frankie's feelings and not Grace's. Right, right. Which is a great way to start a relationship. So good. But (laughs) at the same time, like that plot and also the are we going to have sex plot I did like those just because they were more kind of chill high school plots for Grace when pretty much up until that point she's been having all of these like I'm going to die plots so (laughs) I liked how they were a bit more chill and down to earth yeah absolutely they finally gave her like normal high school plots yeah I did like the list though I thought that was kind of cute and I didn't notice this until I just rewatched, but at the end of the bucket list episode, she has her pillow fight with Zoe, and that was on her bucket list. Oh, a pillow fight? I yeah. forgot. That's so cute. And I thought that was like pretty cute too, because that final scene was in Grace's bedroom, and that was where like things kind of blew up with Zoe in the first place in season one. So I thought that was like kind of a cute little full circle moment there that the last time Grace and Zoe were in Grace's room, things went to shit. And now Grace is fulfilling one of her bucket list things. In Wait, that's so cute. I didn't even think about that. Because e- even though, yeah, Grace and Zoe would probably not be good long term. I do like their friendship for sure. I think that is so good. It, the fact that it stays too, you know. It just shows how good of a friend Grace is, honestly. Uh, not to Maya. <laughs> Which, again, shows, like, why are you being nice to Zoe? Because Zoe's changed, huh? We've all moved on. <laughs> we were friends with Zoe when she was a, a huge meanie, but we won't be friends with Maya when she bails a few times because she's depressed. Got it. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to give her a lot of shit for that. Okay, what do you feel about Jonah's secret baby? <laughs> Oh, Grace being a stepmother? Uh, Imagine hearing that. Yeah, absolutely not. I would have been like, sorry, I've got to go. I don't want to go fishing anymore with a man who is a child at the age of 17. I don't know why they did that. They easily didn't have to do that. There was no need for it. I feel like the point of Jonah having a secret baby was like, oh, in the past, I made a mistake with respect to sex. So now I'm kind of wary of sex now okay fair that doesn't mean you needed to throw in a whole baby that like he just happens to have had this entire time and we had no idea and also she's like do you talk to them and he's like no and i'm like why are we playing this off and also how did grace not go home and immediately say he has a baby right <laughs> <laughs> because like the thing about jonah is he's kind of inconsistent right because like He was introduced as Becky's boyfriend. He's, like, apparently very Christian with Becky, right? He was, like, quoting Bible verses to her. Then he goes and dates Frankie and, like, enables Frankie's bad behavior for three seasons. And now suddenly he's a good boyfriend to Grace. So it's like, what is this guy's deal? And now he has a secret baby that, like, do we even know if he wants to see this baby? Is he okay with never seeing this baby? Who knows? It sounds like he's fine with it because he never brings it up. Right? Wow. Literally wow. Yeah, so Jonah, he's much better with his curly hair. I'll give him that. But (laughs) 
besides that, I'm like, who is this guy? He's a nothing character that they just use to fit whatever situation that they need him to be in. He's basically like Peter. We got to watch him actually do drugs. Yeah. <laughs> right? Right? Because we, we talked about this last time. Jonah is straight edge, but what does that even, what does that mean for him? I don't fucking know. I think we brought this up at some point where I was like, it doesn't count that you're straight edge when you're like 16 and it's illegal anyway. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, you're not breaking the law. Like, like, what do you want me to say? Yeah, I just don't get him at all. And also, like, like how old is he? Like, whose class is he in? Like, I don't even know. He was apparently held back. Frankie said that at one point. <laughs> yeah, I just don't understand. No, if anything, it would have made sense for him to like join the army at the end to fix all this. I don't want to talk about Joan anymore, but... <laughs> okay, fair, fair. I could go on a lot because I just think it was just so ridiculous. Yeah, but him and Grace are okay. They're not like a bad couple, but I'm not really rooting for them much either. They're endgame though. I mean, I liked how Grace is like, oh yeah, I kind of want to do the cutesy prom shit by having sex on prom night. I was like, okay, that's kind of cute. Like Grace kind of has this tough exterior, right? But she has that kind of, I don't know how to describe it, but. Goth. (laughs) No, that's like her exterior, but on the inside, she's like very fun loving, you know? She just wants to be a girl on the inside, but she doesn't want to admit it. Like, she wants to do girly things. She wants to have a boyfriend. She wants to be cute. She wants to go to prom. You know? She wants to be normal, but she's not. And that's why on the exterior, she's not normal either. I I was watching the last episode last night, and it's like, it's graduation day, and Grace comes into Maya's room and is like, come on, Maya, it's graduation day. You're my best friend. Let's go graduate together. I was like, oh my god. Grace is like, when she actually has those meaningful relationships and she's able to let her tough exterior down, she's actually like, such a great person to be around yeah she's like pleasant and nice and normal it's kind of what I'm trying to get at I I feel like she's more normal when she's like not thinking about dying right exactly and like I feel like when we're first introduced to her right she's in the rubber room so I feel like we kind of expect her to be kind of that bad girl who like does drugs and stuff but like when Esme whips out her weed brownies Grace is like uh no thanks I don't do drugs well, she probably doesn't do drugs. And also, I'm sure dating Jonah, she's probably like, no way. Yeah, for sure. But like, based off of how she dresses and stuff, right? You would kind of expect her to be that archetype, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. But she's kind of, even though she has that aesthetic, she is kind of the opposite in her personality when, like you said, she isn't thinking about death and she's actually able to have fun with her friends. I, I loved the 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 scene where they talk about all the stuff that happens in season 13. It's like, hey, Maya, this is where we met on this bench. This is where Zoe was cyberbullying you. And this is why you met me. I was like, oh my God. That was cute. I did like that a lot. And then Miles was like, yep. (laughs) She broke my heart. So cute. Yeah, no, I think overall, I really did like her. I think her and Maya in season three kind of like turned me off to her for a bit. I wasn't, like, all about how how she dropped Maya, you know? Mm-hmm. Pretty much over the play is basically what stirred this up. If the play or musical wasn't going to happen, I think that things would have probably stayed the same. But overall, she should have gotten more, basically. 
Yeah, but I did really like everything that she got. Yes. I think she was a unique character. Yeah. And like her whole CF thing, never been done before. So I liked that. Again, not really sure about the details of how this whole thing worked. But <laughs> like, I, I did like her general message of like, oh, I want to live life to the fullest and spend time with the people I care about. I think that's that's a good message for her. She's earned it. And even though you disagree with Maya, I do think Grace is a pretty good friend. I think overall she is. I think that little, you know, mishap is, it is what it is. It happens, you know? For sure. So yeah, I like Grace. She's definitely a top tier supporting character. Maybe not the best main character, but fantastic support for sure. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Very good. Okay. You want to go into Zig and Esme? Okay. Okay, so Zig and Esme really only have one thing in season three. So between seasons two and three, Zig joined Esme's dance troupe or whatever it was, and they ended up getting together over the summer. So now that they're back at school, they are now surrounded by Zig's friends, and Zig's friends are all judging him for seeing her. Especially when Zig tells them that he and Esme skipped class so that Esme could give him a blowjob in the parking lot. All of Zig's friends, including Zig, kind of start slut-shaming Esme for doing this. Esme ends up seeing Zig's text messages in the group chat about his friends slut-shaming her and Zig joining in. So Zig ends up pointing out, like, hey, Esme, you giving out blowjobs in the school parking lot, most girls don't really do that. And Esme has her infamous hallway scene <laughs> where she is like, oh, I'll give Winston the time of his life. So this kind of prompts Zig to apologize. And then this causes Esme to confess that her mom actually committed suicide when she was 10 years old, and Esme was the person who found her. And her dad actually kind of blames her a bit for her mom's death. She and Zig have a heart-to-heart -heart about that. Zig ends up talking about how he was kicked out of home by his mom, and he now lives in a group home. So they kind of get through this whole slut-shaming situation. And that's really it in season three. Of course, at the end of the season, they end up leaving Miles' play to go make out on the roof, where they end up finding Maya after she had overdosed. In the first episode of season four, Esme is annoyed at Zig when he wants to work with Maya for an art project, and Esme ends up getting paired with Saad. In order to get Zig jealous, she poses naked for Saad for the art project, and Esme ends up getting the four of them in trouble in the art class. And in detention, Esme confides in Zig about how finding Maya has been kind of fucking her up because of her mom. And Zig kind of starts expressing concern for her. And Esme responds by telling Zig that Saad is the person who let Maya onto the roof in the first place. And this kind of gets Zig off of Esme's case for the next couple episodes. We meet up with them again when college acceptance letters are coming in and Zig did not even get into his safety school. He feels pretty embarrassed because all of his friends are getting into great schools. Maya got into SoCal art, Esme got into Harvard, apparently. So he lies to his friends about getting into school, but of course they find out about it. Frankie, who is at this point besties with Esme, goes to comfort Zig, kind of making him feel better about not getting into school. And <laughs> Esme walks in on this conversation happening. She gets a little weird saying like, oh, do you want to kiss Frankie? It will be okay if you do. No, you want to kiss other girls? Fuck you. But when Zig tries to actually make a long-term plan for his future, Esme says, fuck it, 
and she starts a makeout session with her, Zig, and Frankie, and Frankie's fool, leading to the infamous thruffle. <laughs> now that Zig has two girlfriends, he stops caring about his future. After that, it is the camping trip for all of you rubber room kids, Zig, Tiny, Grace, and Maya, and Esme ends up inviting herself. Frankie gives Esme some advice to try and connect with the friend group since none of them really like her, but Esme famously fails. She brings some weed brownies. She's just being very uncomfortable with everybody. When Frankie comes along, she has the idea to have an actual threesome with Frankie to help keep Zig interested. But Frankie, of course, does not want to do that. So Esme ends up abandoning Frankie in the woods, and she ends up finding Maya and Zig talking in the tent. So in order to get Zig's attention, she fakes an allergic reaction. Everybody is fawning over her for a minute, where they ultimately find out that she is faking it, which causes Zig to break up with her. But in the final few episodes, Zig ends up kind of reconnecting with Maya. They're all studying for finals together at Maya's place, and they accidentally end up cuddling. So Maya ends up asking Zig to prom, which Esme, of course, is not happy about. So Zig kind of feels bad about hurting her feelings and says that even though they broke up, he'll still be there for her. Esme ends up calling in a bomb threat to prom, and when the prom still goes on, she starts sending Zig tons of nudes, which causes Zig to block her. I don't know why everybody blocks people in the show, but since Zig blocked her, Esme shows up to the prom and threatens herself with a knife, <laughs> forcing Zig to talk to her. So they end up going into the woods, like, outside of the prom, and... Esme accidentally pushes Zig down a hill where he like sprains his leg or something. So Esme is kind of freaking out having done this. Maya ends up finding them and helps Zig out. But Esme runs away and goes to Frankie's place to try to come up with another plan to get Zig back. So Frankie tries to stop her, especially after finding out that she called in a bomb threat. But Esme once again ends up running away and purchases a motorcycle. Zig, of course, rejects her once again, and she starts to have a full-on mental breakdown, like trashing the motorcycle and starting to attack Zig. And fortunately, Maya told Ms. Grell everything that has happened thus far, and she ends up intervening and finally getting Esme some help. And that's really the last we see of Esme, just the teacher comes in and kind of calms her down. <laughs> Unfortunately, we don't get a follow-up because the show was cancelled. But on Zig's side, he ends up graduating. He nearly didn't, but in the final montage, once again, we see that Zig and Maya are driving off to California together. Yay! <laughs> okay, so let's start with, basically it's just like the introduction of Zig and Esme being together. They haven't like said the words like boyfriend or girlfriend, but I feel like you kind of just assume at this point that yeah. they probably are. Until everybody starts slut-shaming, which, not a good look for Degrassi. I feel like we didn't really, we didn't really address it that well, in my opinion. Why not? Because I feel like Zig wasn't the only one that should have acknowledged that what was going on was bad. Everybody else should have also apologized to her. Not apologized, but like acknowledged that what they were doing was bullying, basically. Because the only person that acknowledges it is Zig, and he's like, I'm sorry, because she's like, your opinion's the only one that matters to me. And it's like, that's great and all, but also all of his friends are saying stuff, and he's not standing up to them, basically. 
and he doesn't really ever he's kind of just like stop it and then like that's it most of the time but I absolutely I mean she totally is in the right to be upset about it yeah for sure but I just don't I don't know I think that it was it was done well because basically Esme is just hooking up with Zig in in public places and apparently that's the line that everybody draws it at is where it's like that's unbelievable but it's like sorry tiny but we already know how Shay feels and like Frankie we already know how Jonah feels so I don't know why we're all talking like they have a lot of options here yeah right I mean like Claire and Drew had sex in the prop room (laughs) like right and like and she she didn't get pregnant from that should have but like but like didn't that's the thing where it's like okay I get that you know Esme being bullied has to lead to her revealing like my life is messed up because they need us to know somehow why this girl acts like this right like like nobody's this mean for no reason (laughs) basically what I'm saying she can sleep with whoever she wants that doesn't matter to me but she is a mean person so her revealing that her mom committed suicide and she had found her and like all that stuff like it sets the tone obviously for when she finds Maya and then how she acts afterwards yeah I think it also provides context for Esme's relationship with Miles back in season one yes yes absolutely because like we know she's kind of we everybody loves to say it she's crazy (laughs) but now we kind of have a little bit of background knowledge on like what's going on Because in her relationship with Miles, right, she's the person who got him hooked on the pills in the first place. So it's like, okay, how did Esme even, like, know how to get these pills or whatever, you know? And then also her fake suicide attempt with Miles especially, right? So finding out that Esme is the person who found her dead mom, that provides so much information as to, like, all of her actions leading up to this. And I feel like... It's why she's Esme is so manipulative because because her mom is dead and especially her dad blames her for it. Esme really has nobody to support her at all, which is why she tries to keep people so close to her by manipulating them. We talked about with Miles how Miles was able to get out because he has a good head on his shoulders, right? But Zig does not, (laughs) unfortunately. (laughs) That's why Zig got in so deep with Esme because he wasn't able to recognize the warning signs of Esme trying to manipulate him in the early stages of their relationship the same way that Miles was. I will say though, I don't think her telling him was her manipulating him at all. Oh, no, no, no. I'm talking about later on. I think in the slut shaming episode, Esme didn't really do anything wrong besides like maybe harass Winston in that hallway scene. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think that this episode of anything, like, I don't know. I didn't even think it made her look that bad. Like, I totally, I mean, it gives us also context for what his friends feel about her, you know, as well. But it was just so crazy because everybody was, like, saying, you know, everyone's like, oh, Esme, you know, she, basically she's a hoe, right? Mm -hmm. And then Zig's, like, getting snaps from other girls, like, he you know he's cheated in the past but like it's all on Esme which is just such a double standard situation yeah like they were trying to frame it like oh Esme is giving out blowjobs in the parking lot because she's damaged 
I like how they called that out and how that wasn't the case. I mean, Esme is damaged, but that's not why <laughs> she's giving out blowjobs in the parking lot. But but it just it's just kind of weird that this whole episode is almost like a journey for Zig. It's like, I don't care that you do that. It's like, okay, like you're not a good guy for being like, I'm okay that you give me blowjobs in the parking lot. Yeah. <laughs> I think if they didn't have the reveal of Esme's mom and like Zig sharing about his life, this episode would have almost made Zig look like, oh, Zig's a good guy for staying with a girl who does this. So I'm glad that it didn't go that way because it really could have could have gone that way even when he like asks Maya like do I make bad decisions and it's like what did you want her to say like yeah stay with the girl that likes to give blowjobs in the parking lot or like what do you want you know but I think she was absolutely right by being like your friends why do you care what they think but at the same time when Esme is manipulating Zig it's his friends who are able to actually realize that well they never they never liked no from the beginning no which is why it's so tricky because in the slut shaming episode zig's friends are in the wrong but like in the camping episode zig's friends are in the right because esme is being batshit but i also think like in that episode zig realizes that she uses sex to like manipulate him by her being like you don't even have to kiss or anything and he's like this is literally not what i want right now where I don't think he realized before that. Well, I guess actually that's that's a good question. Do you think that she was using it? Like, obviously, I think they are implying it. That she's, like, using sex to, like, manipulate Zig. Well, yeah, that was why she was right. trying to plan a threesome with Frankie. Okay. I just want to make sure before I, like, say something, then you're like, absolutely not. I'd be like, no, wait. <laughs> no, like, Zig, Zig even says it. It's like, not everything is about sex, Esme. I'm trying to have an actual conversation with you. Like, Esme absolutely, in, I would say, all of season four, she was, like, manipulating him. And I feel like I wrote down that, does she not tell Miles about her mom? I don't think so. Okay. Because I, like, wrote down that Zig and Esme opening up to each other makes sense, but she did this with Miles. And I'm trying to think of, did she open up with Miles? Not really. It just probably was something along the lines of, like, she tried to be serious and it, like, worked. But it did not work with Miles, obviously. Well, that was because she faked a suicide attempt with Miles. Yeah, that was bad. But, yeah, pretty much they really only have the one slut-shaming thing in season three, right? But then, of course, the turning point is when they find Maya. Oh, yeah. We gotta get, we gotta talk about that. So, I wanted to point out when... Esme and Zig find Maya. Zig is like, oh, we should induce vomiting. But Esme says, no, don't do that. I found that out with my mom. I feel like that's a, a line that you could very easily miss. But if you notice it, like it tells you so much about Esme and like what happened with her mom. And that is why she is so messed up from her mom and then from now Maya. Yeah, because I feel like generally in season three Esme she I mean she was bad but she wasn't like as bad as she like could be you know like obviously she reacted to like Maya trying to kiss Zig and not she was mean because like why wouldn't you be but then she also was like treated her like a normal person when Maya was at the ATM and she was just like all right you know I mean like she wasn't mean in passing but then like season four just so bad literally just so bad for her and it really is 
a matter of like they didn't address Zig or Esme and like how they need help now you know what I mean like we saw Eli go through the same thing with Cam but here they just kind of just were like oh these people don't need any help yeah I really didn't like that because Maya got a lot of help after her attempt but nobody checked in on Zig or Esme that like hey you're the person who found her are you okay like nobody did that at all yeah and because of that it kind of leads into Esme just losing it basically yeah all of season four yeah because in in that first episode in the art class right I feel like you could easily read it as Esme is just jealous that Zig is spending time with Maya yeah but I think deep down I I think what's really happening is that Esme I think is a bit bitter that Maya survived when her mom didn't oh that's a good way to think about it so it's it's that, and also everybody is fawning over Maya, but nobody is checking in on her. Sure. So, like, she's also going through it, clearly. She says in class, like, oh, yeah, I posed naked for Saad, what about it? And the teacher doesn't do anything about that, you know? So, like, I feel like Esme is just kind of a bomb of emotions in that episode, since it's, like, so recent after Maya. And now Maya is back, everybody's happy to see her. Esme's the one who found her, and is really the reason why Maya is alive right now and nobody really cares that Esme was a part of that and then on top of that it's like oh Maya survived but my mom didn't that is I didn't I've never thought about that that's crazy that makes so much sense though I was kind of like why I get why she's like jealous but I never thought much more into that yeah like I really see it when like Esme is like oh yeah Maya of course gets out of detention because like she she's the she's the star child I guess of the school right now. So do you feel like well I guess we'll never know. <laughs> I was gonna say do you think that she was like like Esme would have been receptive to even getting help? No, probably not. <laughs> not until the end. Not until the break. Well, Zig kind of checks in on her in the detention scene, right? And Zig is like, oh, you're not seriously thinking of killing yourself, right? And Esme kind of deflects to Saad in that scene. So I feel like, yeah, she probably wouldn't have accepted help, but definitely an adult should have checked in on her and gotten her help, even if she didn't want it. I agree. I agree. It's just, yeah, no, that totally makes sense. And then after that, for pretty much the rest of the season, Esme is trying to kind of isolate Zig so that she's the only person that he is close to. I'm I'm basically thinking of the college episode where Zig is insecure that he didn't get in right like the scene with like do you want to kiss Frankie oh I bet you want to kiss Frankie oh fuck you you want to kiss Frankie like that scene (laughs) makes no fucking sense yeah that is is the entire point Esme is just playing with Zig's head so that he is dependent on her for affirmation or whatever you want to call it sure no that totally makes sense yeah because like for example tiny is telling Zig like oh yeah dude you gotta like make a plan and then when Zig shows up to Frankie's house with like oh I got some college applications Esme is like you don't need college you got us you know like she's trying to she's trying to get Zig to only focus on her instead of things that will take him away from her like I think there's even oh when um like for example even when they were doing the painting and Zig was like oh you know I got a partner with Maya and she's like, so you'd rather I be alone? 
And Zig's like, uh, no, that's not what this is. Like, there's just no rational way to, like, you can't just, you can't reason with her. There's literally no way. Everything will always be, like, turned back around. It's crazy. And Zig is just a little too stupid to see through her games until the camping episode. Well, I don't even, I don't know if it's that or if it was the start of the, like, painting. Well, I'm trying to think. Was the painting an art class episode, like, close to the camping one? Because even there, in the tension, he's like, you're crazy. Like, why do you get so crazy? So I don't know if that's, like, where he kind of starts to realize it. And then she pulls Frankie in. Like, I can't remember if Frankie's already, like, involved. Well, I feel like between the painting episode and the camping episode is when Frankie gets pulled in. Okay, so that's when Esme's like, I gotta bring out my final, like, form here. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, because in between, that's like, oh, Frankie, come with us to get burgers. Who cares about the terrorism rally or whatever? It's basically just Esme kind of getting her claws into Zig and getting him to not care about anything besides her. Even though, yeah, Zig does kind of recognize that Esme isn't all there, but he he doesn't really have the the skills to figure out what to do until she fakes an allergic reaction. Okay, that's also what I was going to ask you. Okay, so season four, probably. What I wrote, is Esme actually traumatized or is she faking it? Season four, I think she actually is. Prior to that, I get that her mom, I guess, okay, did she say she found her mom when she was like 10? I think so, yeah. Okay, so it only really had been, what, six or seven years at this point? So that's not even a long time in like child world, you know, I feel like six years is like nothing. So now I'm like, okay, I guess maybe she isn't over it, but there are just some things where I'm like, it's fake. Like, it's gotta be fake. Or is she just like, just like this, you know? Well, again, she was kind of like that with Miles, right? Yeah. So I think finding Maya is what caused her to get so bad so quickly because it reminded her so much of her mom. Didn't Esme say at one point that she's been in and out of therapy? Yes. So I feel like she's probably worked through the trauma of her mom and like of course it that doesn't go away even after six or seven years but then finding Maya and being in such a similar situation I think that's obviously going to make it get worse pretty immediately especially with her not getting any help okay that's fair I don't know if I just like I really don't know at what point was I like is she faking it (laughs) like I guess it just is crazy that it went from miles she was acting like this and then she went to Zig and she's actually like this, but more. But it makes sense with the whole gaslighting and manipulating everything. Well, so what what do you mean by faking it? Like faking that she's traumatized? I feel like part of me wonders how much it is because of that and how much she just like wants attention. I, I mean, I think it could be both. Okay, that's fair. It's like she wants attention from Zig because he's kind of, getting away from her because of her trauma responses over the past couple weeks yeah no no that makes sense I guess I'm thinking in the sense of like Zoe who was just mean to be mean and we didn't even know that it was because she's closeted right and now Esme's mean but we know and it's like ah I still am mad (laughs) that she's like this (laughs) well this is what we always say right it's a reason not an excuse yes that's a good point. Yeah, it's like Zig was being emotionally abused pretty much 
and even a little bit physically abused in the prom episode. Oh my gosh, yeah. So I don't think we talk about that enough. Like, yeah, Esme is messed up and she needs help, but that doesn't mean what she did in any of this was okay. Yeah. And again, Zig is only able to get out because Esme spiraled so much that there was no even justifiable reason as to why it would be okay to stay with her. Oh, yeah. So what do you think was, like, the boiling point? The the camping episode. I think the fact that Zig was around his friends who are, like, able to be rational and he wasn't being isolated by Esme to just be with Esme like he has been pretty much the whole season. While Esme is out of touch with the group and she, at the same time, is spiraling and becoming more and more unhinged because she can't control him and her last-ditch effort is the fake allergic reaction. And then from there, she gets even worse when she threatens herself with a knife at prom. Oh my gosh. Well, between that and then everybody finding out she did the bomb threat and then the motorcycle and just just the overall end is so annoying because you don't get to know what happens. And also, though, the lying about Harvard and like, oh, Esme hasn't got a class in a month. You know, nothing about her is real, which is crazy. That's why she's like my favorite villain. Yeah, she's a fantastic villain. The The prom is pretty much like the, the whole ending after they break up is like Zig is a decent guy. So he's giving her the time of day. For real, yeah. But Zig is checked out at that point, right? Like Esme is trying anything and everything to try and get him back, but it's not going to happen anymore, which is why she kind of, implodes on herself (laughs) like when when she pushes him down the hill and she's like pacing back and forth like what do I do what do I do like she is having a full mental break like that entire two episodes oh my god yeah the fact that she was still wearing the prom dress when she showed up to school right what was it she passed out on Frankie's couch then disappeared (laughs) yeah she like literally went to Frankie's slept in her bed and then just left got a motorcycle (laughs) and then went to graduation yeah freaking crazy She definitely had like a psychotic break at that point, for sure. I feel like there's not too much to say about that because it's just everything pretty much leading up to the breakup with Zig was going to lead to that because Zig was the only person that she could control after finding Maya. And once she lost that, she had no control over anything. So that's, I think, why she had her psychotic break. Analyzed. Well done. (laughs) But what do you think about, I guess, the actual last episode where she does finally get help? I think that it's interesting that they had two girl characters in one season. Well, I know Maya's is at the end of season three, but if we're like keeping seasons three and four together as like one season, it's interesting that they they did two depression arcs, basically. Like Maya's being more of like a standard one, whereas Esme's was more of like an unhinged kind of plot but the last episode I don't know I just like I would like to see what actually comes from her getting help like is she different is this like Degrassi's way of humbling a girl character again with like a traumatic experience I don't I don't know if I'm gonna buy that she'll get help and want it when basically she's known this whole time that like she needs help she's known like she said, she's been in and out of therapy her whole life. And then she finds a dead person on a roof, basically. Like, 
that's where it's it's I don't know what's gonna happen after this but I think what's interesting is that it doesn't really fit Maya's like depression like I don't think they would be like Esme's depressed you know what I mean I think they would be something different I think the the popular theory is that Esme has borderline personality disorder okay which I don't know too much about but apparently Esme fits all the classic symptoms of it from what I've read yeah so yeah I think given that they showed Esme being so crazy and so out of touch with reality, I do think that she would have gotten better. Like whether whether she wanted the help or not, I think she ultimately would have gotten the help that she needed and come out on the other side. Okay, so you're more positive than I am. <laughs> yeah, like I think it's it's hard to say about the humbling, the mean girl, because I don't know if they would have made Esme nice or still had her kind of have that bitchiness to her you know (laughs) because I feel like it's not necessarily anything bad happened to Esme the same way that bad things happened to Paige or to Zoe it's more that Esme's past kind of caught up to her and that's why she kind of had a mental breakdown (laughs) it's it's really fun to theorize about what they could have done because it could really go anyway I I personally think that she would have gotten help she would have built an actual healthy friendship or maybe relationship with Frankie. (laughs) Yeah. And they would have kind of had parallel journeys in that way. I also really would have liked to see Esme's dad because I think that's a big missing piece of this puzzle with her that Esme, of course, has no support system and that is pretty much her dad who blames her for her mom's death. I think having her dad pop up in the future would have been needed in order to actually get Esme to a better place. Yeah, I totally agree. I feel like we needed more, especially if like her trauma comes from something at home and we don't see it. Like, how do we actually know what's going on? Yeah, it is interesting what you said about Maya and Esme kind of having parallel mental health storylines though. Yeah. Because Maya is very sympathetic of a character in her depression storyline, but Esme is absolutely not. Oh, yeah. I mean, because it's like, I don't know if it's because we've known Maya longer, so we know that this isn't how she's normally like versus Esme, who we've known as like a bitch since day one. Well, but even like Maya was being a bad friend, right? And she was being an asshole to her mom and Katie. So I feel like Maya wasn't necessarily sympathetic in those moments, but we were still able to understand her. And like, you know, she's going through something. We still like her. With Esme, I don't think she's sympathetic at all. I feel like the only emotion I have for her is pity. I feel like it's very different in that sense that they're both going through things. Maya, you could feel bad for. Esme, it feels bad for me to feel bad for her given how terrible she was. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, it, it's a situation where it's like, I hope you get better, but I don't want to associate with you, you know? I feel like, I think she would, she may be closest to, like, Dar- how Darcy is. But again, we knew what Darcy was like prior, where we don't know what Esme is like prior. I was thinking Esme is pretty similar to Fiona, actually, in Degrassi Takes Manhattan. And, yeah. and Imogen, when she was initially introduced and manipulating Eli. But both Fiona and Imogen kind of 
had redemption arcs pretty quickly, but Esme did not. No, she she did not. She didn't have any, actually. Yeah, definitely interesting to think about how they would have made us sympathize with her moving forward. Because I think that's definitely where they were heading, where they're going to be like, okay, Esme is getting help and she's getting better, but I don't know if they would make us like her necessarily, like they did with Fiona and Imogen. Yeah, no, I I feel like it would they would have to put in a lot of work or they would have to make her gay. <laughs> Sorry, but it, I can't move on from that. Honestly, they do do that, don't they? <laughs> they? They do love to do that. But yeah, I, I think Esme could have been an all-time great Degrassi character if we actually got to see what they had planned for her. Oh my gosh. She was like easily my favorite villain of all time. Yes. And still stands, even like when I like rewatched it from, you know, start to finish for this specifically, there is still no, like Holly J is Holly J. She's in her own category, but like Esme is just top notch, like such a shame that she caught the end of this. I think she would have been so good to have her, like to just watch. Absolutely. The one thing I do want to say though, is the last scene when Miss Grell comes out, I feel like that was kind of corny where it's like, it's never too late to ask for help. Oh my God, yeah. I was like, okay, I know you only have like two minutes to wrap everything up for the entire series right now, but I think that that could have been written a little better. Like also the motorcycle thing, I was like, how the fuck was Esme able to buy a motorcycle? (laughs) Well, her uncle owns a high-end motorcycle shop, obviously. Oh, is that where Drew got his? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so I feel like that that was just a little choppy. Sure. But other than that, like, yeah, she's a fantastic villain. She had a fantastic buildup throughout the season. Everything after they she found Maya was, like, so interesting to watch. And it's the worst loss of Next Class, for sure. Oh, yeah. I 100% agree. It just is such, it's such a shame that they did not finish it. Anything else for Esme before we go into Zig? I don't think so. All right, Zig's turn. Oh, so sad. Why? Because I like him. I think he's dumb, but I like him. Yeah, he's he's a true himbo. <laughs> it just is like, uh, I love that him and Maya, I mean, we they don't end up together, but they end up back as friends. And that's what I like the best. I, I think they get back together. Oh, for sure. But I guess overall for Zig, the fact that he was like in a gang in a group home didn't have that like normal home life like you know hung out with the wrong crowd it could have been because of everything that happened with cam like who knows definitely could have trickled down but i just uh i don't know i think that there's nothing wrong with him i think they like kind of they did a good job i kind of disagree no (laughs) why do you say so well because all, all that you said, none of that applies to Zig in Next Class. Why? You don't think so? We don't explore Zig being in a group home or having been in the gang at all in Next Class. No, but I feel like his growth from there seems, like, pretty good. Is it? I mean, he cheats on Maya. He slut shames Esme. <laughs> well, okay, that's because everybody else is doing it, Jasper. <laughs> oh, and that makes it okay. Well, no one else had to apologize for it. All right, fine. Why don't you do your take, even though I thought... Okay, so I also really like Zig. 
Even See, though he, that's a good start. Even though he is kind of trash at times, I still can't help but like him. But the thing is just like, in seasons 13 to 14, we'd had all the gang stuff. He was homeless for a second. He lived with Maya for a second. And now he's been living in a group home this whole time, apparently. And I don't think we even found that out until he told Esme in season three. Yeah, we did it. Right? So it's like, it was a big question mark of where Zig was even living for the first two seasons. And in season 14, he had started to reconnect with his mom, right? And there was no follow-up to that. So I feel like I really would have liked to see a bit more from Zig himself rather than Zig in the context of his relationships. Okay. Especially with the group home stuff. We only saw that a little bit with KC. And even then, not much. So I think that would have been something really compelling to explore with him. Maybe. I think it's tough to do stuff like that and also make the school, like the show based on the school. I mean, he needs to go home at some point, right? Yeah, but we don't have a lot of like prolonged home plots. I feel like the only person that really like got a lot of home stuff was Emma. Sure. Because Simpson also lived there. I get what you're saying though. It would have been nice to see like what is actually going on with him outside of Degrassi. Yeah, it doesn't even necessarily need to be plots about it. It could just be like, oh, Maya and Zig are going to the group home after school because that's where Zig lives, you know? Yeah. So just as like a place to show us where Zig is and to show us more about him rather than the hot boyfriend of Degrassi. (laughs) Yeah, I guess it's fair. Because we did see a lot of like Drew's home too, now that I think about it. And he was also the hot boyfriend of Degrassi. Yeah. (laughs) Despite all that, like in next class, he is kind of trash at some points, you know? Sure. He was not a great boyfriend to Maya. I think he was a bit better to Esme after the whole slut shaming thing. Yeah. I think he had a lot to learn. I feel like at the end, there's like a maturity. I guess it's hard because I think if he wasn't with Esme for the last season, we would have seen more growth from him. But we don't really see it until he realizes he's, he's like, I gotta get out of this relationship. Right, because... In the the college acceptance episode, right? I think that could have been a good place to have Zig kind of examine his insecurities of like, oh, I'm not that smart. I don't really have a future ahead of me and kind of explore that. But Esme kind of hijacked that, which I guess was kind of the point. But there was (laughs) also then no follow-up once Zig got rid of Esme. So I feel like there was definitely more that they could have done with him because after the gang stuff in season 14, it's pretty much just Zig is dating Maya or Zig is dating Esme, you know? Maybe that's why I like him. I don't know. (laughs) There isn't much going on for him. Maybe I needed a little break. (laughs) Well, because Zig is so interesting because he's a genuinely good guy, but at the same time, he's also kind of the school bully. Yeah. Well, that's like, I don't know, because he's like a bully kind of, but it's like the reason he beats up Hunter is because he was being a horrible person. Like, he beats up people, which he shouldn't do. But usually when he does, it's kind of earned. Except for the Saad stuff. Yeah, I'm like, Saad? Saad didn't deserve anything. Saad did not. But every everybody, you know, Hunter maybe deserved it in that moment. Yeah, for sure. Whatever. <laughs> but... <laughs> I get what you're saying. No, maybe I jumped too fast to say that he. I really liked him. Well, what do you think Zig's character arc is? I feel like he just matures as, like, a person. Like, he doesn't get... After the Sod fight, there's, like, not another fight. And then after him and Esme break up, he kind of realizes, like, I don't know what I want to do, and that's, like, okay. 
he kind of comes to terms with the fact that like this is going to be his life for now it is what it is as long as he has Maya in it okay fair enough I feel like he there is a little bit of growth from when he was like small oh yeah for sure for sure okay but I feel like in terms of like an overall character arc it's like okay he had the whole I kind of pushed Cam to kill himself and I worked through that oh now I'm in a gang and now I'm out of that so I feel like it's kind of several different disparate things rather than like a fully realized character arc the same way that Maya is, for example. Because especially with Cam, like you said, there's like a loose connection to the gang from the Cam stuff. But in Next Class especially, there's nothing in the way of Cam, which is kind of disappointing given that Maya has so much related to Cam in her depression. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, I, I still like him. I can't really explain why. Maybe I'm just really attracted to Ricardo Hoyos. <laughs> oh my gosh. I think it's, I mean, he's the lovable, like, bad guy, I guess. You know, like his song. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> to me, especially, he is the first kind of bad boy archetype to actually graduate to Grassy because Sean and Casey never did. Well, Casey moved. He was definitely going to graduate and go to college and be smart. Well, but he didn't graduate on the show. Johnny graduated and he's bad. He's different though. I feel like the only one that didn't graduate is Sean. <laughs> but Casey didn't graduate on the show. He didn't graduate from Degrassi. But he was never at risk of graduating. What I'm saying is Zig is like the first one to graduate. Out of the three. Okay, fine. Yes. Sure. I don't know. <laughs> I like Zig. I think they could have done better with him. That's all I'll say. That's fair. I agree. I've just learned a lot about archetypes right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, we could talk about that in our wrap-up episode about parallel characters. Okay, that's fine. So, our grand finale, Maya Matlin. Yay! Maya was in the bus crash, of course. And at the beginning of season three, the beginning of the school year, Maya has been in a bit of a slump. She misses the whole first week of school, and when she finally returns, she's very overwhelmed about all the things she has to do. She has tons of homework. She has to apply to college. She needs to write some music. She needs to help Grace with the musical, and she really doesn't feel like she can manage to do any of them. She talks to Miss Grell, who kind of helps her talk through things and be like, oh, your list isn't that long, but Maya still feels overwhelmed. And her first episode ends with her taking a bath, and she submerges her head underwater. Soon after that, Maya accidentally ends up spending a whole night on the internet watching like tragic death videos of like bombings and people hanging themselves and stuff. And the next morning, she runs into Saad, who is taking pictures of her, and she takes his camera and finds his photos of Syria and all of the death and tragedy that happened in Syria which kind of causes Maya to think about her current fixation on death. So she's talking to Saad, and she actually talks about Cam and also Adam to Saad about how my life has so much death in it right now. So I want to focus on that. They start taking pictures related to death. They start by kind of posing on one of the school buses. Like, oh, this is how Tristan looked or something while he was dead on the school bus and then they also go to the hospital and take some pretty disturbing pictures there in this episode she also nearly misses her college interview 
And it is in this episode also that Grace lets her off the hook for the musical. After that is when she continues to take pictures and Grace walks in and Grace ends up blocking her over it. And once Grace found her, it was also Miss Grell was there for some reason. So Maya gets called into the office to kind of talk about her disturbing pictures and also that she's been missing class and not turning in assignments and stuff. She's not hanging out with Grace and squad anymore. So Miss Grell and Mr. Simpson and her mom encourage her to reconnect with her friends, but Grace wants nothing to do with her. Zig ends up rejecting her when Maya kisses him. <laughs> it's after this that Maya is sitting on a bench and she kind of hallucinates herself walking into the traffic. So it's at this point that she realizes that maybe I'm a little messed up and I need some help. She also runs into Saad and like yells at him for why she's messed up too. So she is no longer friends with him at this point. She ends up breaking down to her mom saying that like, I tried to be the old Maya, but I can't. I don't think she's there anymore. So her mom takes her to the doctor and Maya ends up getting diagnosed with depression. And at home, her mom is trying to do some like exercises with her to try and understand her feelings and her thoughts and stuff. But Maya kind of freaks out, retaliates and like throws the self-help book at her mom's grandmother's mirror or something. It's at this point that Maya's mom is like at her wit's end. She doesn't know what to do. So she calls Katie and gets her to come home from college, which this prompts Maya to realize that like, oh, I'm being a burden on my family. So she gets a ton of cash from the ATM and she runs into Esme and tells her to take care of Zig. She then goes back home with some feedy pajamas and plans a fun movie night with her mom and Katie to watch The Wizard of Oz. And the end of the episode is Maya going to the medicine cabinet and getting a ton of pills for her to ultimately use to kill herself. The final episode of season three, Maya writes and records a song called Last Exit, and she tells her mom and Katie how much she loves them. At school, she then tries to say goodbye to Zig. She tries to give Grace her guitar ring, but she can't find Grace, so she gives it to Yael to give it to Grace or whatever. She then goes to a school bus and takes all of her pills. She passes out, but then wakes up. So she decides to go to the roof to, I guess, finish things off. She posts a picture of the roof on Instagram. And fortunately, Zig and Esme left Miles's play to go make out on the roof. And that is where they find Maya. And they are able to save her, fortunately, in time. And at the hospital, Katie comes in and tells everybody that Maya will be okay. In season four, Maya returns to Degrassi. The whole school is kind of wary around her. They're like, oh, we don't know how to act around her. Maya ends up meeting with Miss Grell to talk about her coming back to school and how Maya feels like a completely different person than she was in season three and that she is now happy to be alive and to focus on her friends and family and getting to college. Soon after that, she then finds out that she got into SoCal art, but she hasn't been feeling very creative since her suicide attempt. I think it's Yael comes up to Maya and asks Maya to write a theme song for their YouTube channel. Tristan encourages her to do it, and Maya at first is feeling very uncreative and she is like oh I can't do this but when the news comes in about the Belgium terrorist attack Tristan helps her get her mojo back by having Maya teach him how to drum this kind of helps Maya get in the right headspace and she ends up helping to write the song and the whole gamer squad loves it 
After that, Maya is trying out for the talent show and she wants to sing Last Exit, but Goldie is concerned that the song is too depressing and that it will cause other people at Degrassi to kill themselves. So she plays Black and White instead. But Craig Manning, of course, has come in to judge the Degrassi talent show. He was very disappointed that Maya did not sing Last Exit because he had stalked her SoundCloud or whatever. He then asks Maya to audition to be his opener for his band over the summer. So Maya, after that, is then stressed about writing songs for this audition. She's unsure if she's going to go onto the group camping trip, but she gets convinced to do so. And once again, she's feeling pretty uncreative, so she ends up taking one of Esme's weed brownies. She ends up getting a bit too high. She took like two or three brownies, so she can't focus or write or anything. And Zig, fortunately, is around to help calm her down. So they end up going into a tent and try to write a song together. They end up talking about Maya's suicide attempt and how Maya really should like prioritize her health rather than kind of putting so much pressure on herself. It is after that that she then reconnects with Zig. They end up going to prom together and all the Esme shit happens. And it is when Maya finds Zig at the bottom of the hill that she kind of gets it in her head that drama follows her and that like she's a bad luck charm and stuff she starts questioning whether she should even go to California for school to begin with. But fortunately, Grace is around and kind of encourages her. It's like, oh, we're graduating. Let's reminisce about all the good times and how you're not a terrible person. She also is the person to tell Miss Grell that Esme is not okay and gets Miss Grell to intervene. And this causes Maya to realize that she is not a bad luck charm. So Maya finally graduates. She ends up singing Last Exit at graduation. She thanks Zig for all of his help throughout her life. And she ends up driving off into the sunset to California with Zig. Aww, that's sad. <laughs> but also happy. It's, it's a very bittersweet ending for her, which I think is pretty perfect. I totally agree. All right, let's just get into it. I'm not even gonna... Wow, this was a tough two seasons to watch it really was like watching just Maya's stuff is heartbreaking I think it is probably the most accurate portrayal of depression I've like ever seen on a show how so I just think between there's so many different things that they put in to show that she's depressed without actually saying that she's depressed like for example her watching the videos of people getting injured or hurt or whatever like that is a warning sign. Her, you know, experiencing several traumatic events, obviously. And her doing the photo shoots, the way she's treating her family, like the way she describes it with the veil and like, you know, all these people around her, like, all you have to do is get into college and everything will be good. But that's not just it, you know? I just think that the way you just watch her all through season three is just it's so sad, but it's so good. The first thing I wanted to talk about was how Maya's season three arc, there are so many parallels with Campbell's story. All right, let's hear it. The 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 first obvious ones, I think, are, of course, the headphones on the bus. Yeah. That, that exact same imagery. There was also, I think, the roof was supposed to parallel Dallas on the roof after Cam's suicide. Okay. Zig told Maya to go away the same way that he told Cam to go away. They were both pretty isolated from everybody and they were both feeling very overwhelmed by everything. They both had really angry outbursts like in the lead up to their suicide. Yes, yeah. And I think the biggest one and probably the saddest in my opinion is 
that Maya gave her family one last fun night with her the same way that Maya's last interaction with Cam was fun. Yep, that was so sad. But I think, I don't know if Cam's was as premeditated as Maya's, though. No, Cam didn't really decide to commit suicide until Zig told him to go away. Maya had a whole plan. Yes. So, yeah, there's definitely the the difference there, which I think is purposeful, actually, just to show, like, even though there are so many parallels in how their depression kind of manifested itself, there were still different situations. Yes. And speaking of that too, like I said, she has experienced a lot of traumatic things, Cam being one of them. But even when she started listing them to Saad, I totally forgot that Adam was her bandmate. Yeah. I wanted to talk about that because Maya was not involved in Adam's funeral or memorial or anything like we well, never she saw... was in Paris right everybody was back from Paris when the memorial happened okay but she was away when Adam died yes okay. but we, we never saw Maya react to Adam's death so I thought it was interesting that they are now bringing Adam up in relation to Maya because they never had Maya react to Adam when it initially happened and I think that was because the bus crash caused Maya to reframe her relationship with death. Oh yeah, for sure. I think what happened is the bus crash caused Maya to think differently about all of the experiences with death that she's had in her life, and that includes Adam. So even though at the time, Adam's death maybe was not super impactful on Maya, now that she is in that mindset, she's kind of recontextualizing Adam's death so I thought that was interesting like when I first saw this I was like oh my god they're calling back to so many things from so long ago which I was not expecting at all and I didn't even pick up on half of them so good for you (laughs) yeah I I just think it's just so fantastic with the, the parallels that I just mentioned like everything with Maya essentially I think was so perfectly done because especially the parallels despite just being like callbacks to Cam I think thematically they emphasize how big of an effect Cam's suicide had on Maya because a lot of the parallels like the headphones like Maya never saw Cam wearing headphones on a bus you know that's kind of like imagery for the audience for us to kind of clue into to kind of show that Maya is in the same headspace that Cam was there were of course tons of other factors that brought Maya to this situation but that was the starting point like, that's really where Maya's character started. No, you're you're totally right. Maya is, well, I guess she's not the first person to attempt suicide, right? Because you had, like, Darcy or, I guess, Craig even, like, stood in front of that train, you know? Yeah. So Maya isn't the first person to attempt suicide, but I feel like she's the first one to kind of be premeditated about it. Yes. And I think paralleling that to Cam, who wasn't premeditated, And especially Cam and Maya having kind of parallel character arcs. With Cam, there wasn't really a bright side to it, you know? Like there wasn't like there wasn't like, oh, we'll get through this. It was like, no, this just fucking sucks and there's nothing we can do about it. Yeah, it was like a PSA, but like worse. (laughs) Yeah. So like the point of Cam, I think, was a bit more like, oh, here are the warning signs for you to watch out for in your friends and loved ones. Whereas 
Maya, I think, is more like if you are in a similar situation as Maya, you could get through it. Like you might be in a terrible, sad place, but you could ultimately get through to the other side and be okay. Which I think that's a message that unfortunately we couldn't get from Cam because he did pass away. Yeah, but I think, I mean, both the characters had like, you know, their importance. For sure. So I think it's important that Maya, we do get to see her come out on the other side and realize, oh, I'm happy that I didn't die. And I'm happy to look forward to the future. Yes. And we see her in therapy too. Yay. Yes. Thank God. Honestly, for real. That's just the the cam relations that I wanted to talk about. Just because, again, cam is how Maya's character really started. The fact that they're really bringing it full circle, what, four years later? I think that's so impressive. And something that really makes Maya, I think, the best Degrassi character. Wow. Sum it up. The best. I guess that's just that's just my overview. <laughs> Do you want to get into <laughs> the nitty-gritty of it all? Sure. I don't even okay. So I guess we can start with basically she starts the season three off depressed. We already know she's missed a whole week, basically. The first week of school. You don't just miss the first week of school for no reason, you know? I feel like how can your mom even like let you do that unless you're super sad which she was and then like it's crazy that Shay and Frankie notice that Maya is being weird before Grace and Jonah hound her about lyric and it's almost like okay we're starting to see something's up right you know like she's throwing the phone she's having like writer's block but then she goes and talks to a teacher and that's good and we're like yay but that's not good because later on it doesn't help (laughs) but she does it which is nice But then we see the tub scene at the end of like her first episode back. Yeah. What do you think about that? I mean, that was foreshadowing in the best sense, I guess. Right. (laughs) What did you think? Well, I think after her attempt, Maya is talking to Ms. Grell about like, it's a veil, right? You you had said that before. I think that's kind of imagery of that veil, kind of, that she's like being suffocated by her depression, I guess. Well, earlier in that episode, she even, she tells her that she feels like she's being pulled underwater. Yeah. So literally showing that. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. And kind of similar with the hallucination of walking into the traffic. Oh my gosh. That was so true. That was so scary. Yeah, it really was. It tricked me. Sure did. It got me. (laughs) But I guess even before we meet up with Maya, to begin with in season three. In seasons one and two, we talked last time about how it's kind of noted how there's nothing cam-related in those seasons because she had worked through her initial issues with regarding to cam. She got therapy in season 14, I think it was, right? Yeah. But with the bus crash and like her friend Tristan being in a coma, you know, brings all of that back which emphasizes how healing from traumatic experiences isn't like a one and done which is something I'm always complaining about on Degrassi right that they never bring things back (laughs) yeah so I think this is of like the perfect example of bringing it back but in a different way 
and it makes sense. So it's not just reiterating the same thing over and over again. It's showing how even though you worked through something once doesn't mean that it will never come back and that you're 100% healed for the rest of your life. Other things could happen that bring similar feelings back and you might need to deal with it differently. Yes. So this is an example of like your dream come true. Basically. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because her, her depression in this season stems not just from the bus crash, it's compiling along with the long-term trauma of Cam, all the relationship drama that she's had with Miles and Zig, and like trying to help them through their shit, you know? The fact that she's kind of finally giving up, I think, in season three, after so much shit has been thrown at her. I mean, the fact that she has survived this long, I think, is pretty commendable. Yeah, because literally all we say is like, why Maya? Like, what, didn't she like get kidnapped too? Right? I, I don't, I don't really count that. But, I, I don't either. But yeah, it's just like Maya has been through so much and it's not like Claire where it's like an unrealistic amount of too much to me. Yeah, It's like with Maya, all of what she's been through stems from the initial trauma from Cam. And it's at this point, it's the bus crash is just another thing. It's like, oh, I, I can't deal with it anymore. And that's why she gets so bad so quickly. And I feel like it's so relatable too when she's like, it's me, it's my fault. Like, I'm, you know, I'm the reason everybody keeps dying or whatever. Because it's true, like, she's experiencing a lot of shitty stuff in like a very short amount of time. And I think it's also noted that this is the first time that Maya is like explicitly talking about Cam. Usually Maya just kind of vaguely alludes to Cam. Like, there was the... The scene with Miles where it's like, oh, I can't go through this with a guy again. With like, Oh a, yeah, where Tristan you know. was like, oh, you you didn't even get to hear what happened to her last year. So it was like hot gossip. Right. So it's like Maya, when she's talking to Saad, she brings up not only Cam, but also Adam. So I think that really that was... emphasizes how how fixated on death she is at that point. I I know we, are, we just talked about this. Still was very shocking to me that she brought up Adam. Yeah, me too, me too. I literally had to, I wrote down, who is bandmate that, never mind. <laughs> I was like, who is she talking about? Yeah, I think it's kind of similar to how Eli, after he found Cam, was like, death follows me. I think Maya was kind of in the same headspace. Oh yeah, for sure. Because death really did seem like it was following him. And now it really seems like it's following her. I also liked how... I think it's when Maya is officially diagnosed with depression and she's like, oh no, this isn't like last time when I had a ton of anxiety. So I like how they called back to that too, to show how her grief, I guess, can take different forms over time. Yes, that that was definitely important to show because like you can feel grief, you know, after someone passes, but then it is different than depression, which she's experiencing because she was in like, another traumatic experience and she's older now too so she has more experiences and stuff yeah exactly and with with her depression especially I feel like usually when people are talking about depression it's like oh I'm lonely and that's why I'm depressed but with Maya I feel like it was a bit more I'm depressed which is causing me to push my friends away and that's why I'm lonely I don't have friends because I'm depressed rather than I'm depressed because I don't have friends. Yeah, because she had, that's the thing, like, 
when they told her basically you have to either like get it together or change schools which like what come on that's not realistic and then she goes whatever it takes loved it like she she genuinely did make an effort to like talk to grace and got rejected and then she you know was opening up to zig and i don't think in that moment she had any feelings for zig i think she was just like it was kind of like a last resort situation where she's like i've got nobody else zig is here he's always been nice to me i'm going to kiss him and then she ruined that as well so like two and two and oh in that for uh not saving any relationships there yeah it's like maya was just grasping for anybody who could help her really exactly i mean that was obviously you know that ties into her depression too like being impulsive right but i think one of the biggest lines where she like I don't know if she's this is when she realizes like what she's going to do but it's when she talks to Saad and she's like the pictures they were taking made her feel something but they didn't make her feel better and I feel like that was kind of like her realizing like all right that's that's it I'm done yeah which is so interesting because Maya did get help like she went to the doctor and she talked with her teachers and her mom about it and she still got to the point where she attempted suicide and I think that's like Cam for example, had nobody at all. Like Cam didn't talk about his feelings to anybody. And the fact that Maya had like at least, what, two or three adults, maybe four if you count Katie, like trying to help her through her shit and it didn't work. Yeah. That that just makes me so much sadder, I think. Oh, I totally agree. It kind of comes down to like, if the person doesn't want help, they're not going to take it. But it doesn't mean you shouldn't try. Yeah, exactly. Because the the breaking point, I think, for Maya was when she saw Katie came came back from school. And in her, like, depression brain, Maya's like, oh, you had to force Katie to come back from California to help my stupid ass out. So that made her feel like a burden and made her feel even worse. Even though Katie, I'm sure, was happy to help as the only sibling of any Degrassi character to ever return... <laughs> so great they brought her back made it so much more realistic and better yes she even comes back in the prom episode which was so cute that was so cute but yeah it was just so sad to see like everybody's trying to help Maya but it just didn't work which just shows how like how hard it is to combat depression I guess yeah absolutely when she got diagnosed with depression and they were like it's a lifelong battle And she was just kind of like, I wish, like, she was wishing it was cancer instead, basically. That's just, like, so sad, also. Yeah. Because I feel like it goes into the whole stigma of it. You know what I mean? Like, if you can't see it, then it's, like, less believable. Yeah, and she was like, is there a magic pill I could take so I'm better? Yeah, I I also think it was, like, really sad how everybody was pressuring Maya to go back to the quote-unquote old Maya. When it's like, she doesn't need to go back to the old Maya, necessarily. She just needs to get out of the funk that she's in yeah so I think everybody framing it as just try and get back to your old self was the wrong way to go about it which is maybe why she got to the point that she did Mm -hmm. I think the last thing I just wanted to mention was once Maya makes the decision to attempt suicide she's like happy right and in that whole last episode she's like very happy which I, I've definitely read somewhere before about like once you've made that decision, your brain kind of goes into this weird space of like euphoria or something. 
Well, it's almost like a relief. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, because I feel like for people who don't know that, it kind of seemed like she was going back to normal. Yeah, like when she gave Katie and her mom like that fun night of watching Wizard of Oz together, it's like they didn't think anything was wrong because they're like, oh, Maya's happy again. Which was not the case. Yeah, it's like people always say this about, who was it, Robin Williams, where it's like, oh, he was so happy and so funny, but he still committed suicide. So you never really know. Yeah. I think the one thing I want to mention, actually, before we move on, is, like, of course, Miles makes this about him. Did you pick up on that when they were in the hospital? What did he say? It's like, a few months ago, this could have been me. And Zoe's like, oh, my God, you're so right, and, like, hugged him. And Tristan's like, pizza. And I'm like, are you kidding? (laughs) It's like, shut up, Miles. Oh, I, I, I've seen people get mad about the pizza line more than the Miles line. Well, yeah, I mean, Miles, I was just like, of course, he's going to make this about him. Shocking. But then, like, Tristan being like, let's go, everybody. I'm like, Tristan, shut up, too. But at the same time, what were they going to do? They found out she was going to survive. I think that they literally could have ended it on people hugging Katie and then, like, that's it. We're good. I mean, that was a very dark thing, I think. I think they needed to lighten it up just a little bit. I guess. I just can't imagine them doing that with, like, like Terry in the hospital. <laughs> True. <laughs> right? Like, or Tristan. They didn't do that shit with Tristan. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Sorry. It was just was so, I get why people shit on the pizza thing. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. So, fortunately, Maya survived, and season four is all about her kind of finding a new normal. So, what do you think about her season four journey? I liked that they made her different than how she's been in the past not that she's like sadder or anything but she doesn't present as happy as she normally would but she's also not presenting as like sad I think she's kind of just like content with what's going on yeah exactly I feel like with a lot of Degrassi characters they'll go through something and then once they've worked through it they're kind of back to their old selves yeah. But with Maya, like you said, she she's not like a completely different person, but her personality has definitely changed for sure. Yes, definitely different personality, except for the fact that she's getting back into music. Yes. And I wanted to talk about that because pretty much every plot that she has in season four is in some way related to music. Oh, that's such a good point. Like you have the um the gamer club song the talent show, trying to write a song for Craig. So it's pretty much everything is related to music with her in season four, which I think was a great way for her to kind of heal because music is like the number one thing for Maya from day one. Yeah, because who did she say it to that it it comes down to like music and her or her health? Was it Zig? Yeah. Remember when he was like, what do you, what's more important, me or music? Oh, and, oh my god. And then here we are. Now it's like, what's more important, your health or music? Oh my god. Growth for Zig. Good for him. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's a little bit in there. Oh, that, that's a great catch. I didn't I didn't think of that. Wow. Oh, thanks. I have them once in a while. <laughs> but yeah, we've talked before about whenever Maya is kind of going through it, music kind of falls to the wayside. 
I think in season 13 and 14, there wasn't much of her with music until the kidnapping episode when she's trying to get with that producer lady, right? Yes. So it's kind of like whenever Maya is not mentally well, <laughs> music falls to the wayside. And because music is so important to her, getting back into it is what helps her get better, which I think is pretty beautiful. It's very powerful. And I do like that she kind of has to learn how to play music again, even when she's not well. Because that's the journey too, you know? Like she's not fixed in season four. No. But she needs to be able to like adjust and learn and like keep growing in her music as she like gets better. Yeah, she's not even fixed at the end either. No, definitely not. So I I think that it's great that they showed how it's like a lifelong thing. That like, yeah, Maya went through this and she's not the same person now and she's still working through it even when she leaves the show. Definitely a little weird that Maya is helping the gamer club after they literally swatted her. But I guess it's also kind of full circle in that they kind of helped her through her music writing funk. Yeah, whatever. It is what it is. I feel like every time someone's like mean to Maya, she like doesn't care and is still like the bigger person. I know, she's so good. It just is like everybody does hate her and for what there's no good reason and again they kind of explicitly said this but when the terrorism thing comes up Maya's like I can't watch this it's not good for me but then she also shared about how she's like sick of being triggered by everything which was I think also an interesting point to bring up yeah she's kind of like when will this be over and Tristan's like I don't know just learned how to walk again what are you complaining about (laughs) yeah the one and only time he was a good friend to Maya (laughs) (laughs) yeah for real okay before I go off about Craig (laughs) what do you think about Craig he was he was really in it like what are you gonna go off about he was literally there for like five seconds well but what do you think about him being the person to kind of (laughs) what do you oh I mean like you'll have a deeper feeling about this obviously I don't know it was fine I probably would have made sense for them to bring Peter back instead honestly because Maya already knew Peter but I guess Craig is fine. Like, why are you coming back to watch a Degrassi talent show? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I love to see him. And they do talk about mental health a little bit, which is fair because I feel like he was the first, like, character on Degrassi that experienced, like, mental illness from what I remember. That was my point. Like, Oh, <laughs> good. Okay. <laughs> as, 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 much as, as much as I hate Craig, he was honestly the perfect person to like talk to Maya because of his experiences and the fact that he was also super into music as much as I hated to see him I was like okay I'll give you this one Craig oh good okay so you like didn't care that he was there (laughs) I cared but not as much as I usually would so do you think Craig was better or Peter would have been fine too I think Craig was better okay that's fair wow I thought you were gonna be meaner all right (laughs) <laughs> yeah surprise where do we go, where do we go from this <laughs> I guess I wanted to show I guess we already kind of talked about it where Maya and Zig are in the tent talking about Maya's health okay it's not that good What? 
You scared me. No, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Why would you do that to yourself? Because I feel this wall of pressure coming at me like a tidal wave. So what's more important, your health or... My dream. When we found you on the roof, it felt like the world was going to end. I almost lost you. I don't know what I'd do if it happened for real. And after that, as oh. makes her allergy attack. That was so sad. But with that, that was basically Maya feeling pressure to write music for Craig, right? And it's kind of Maya feeling the pressure on herself, which she was feeling in season three. But now she is more healthily coping with it. I mean, I guess she's high in that scene, but she's coping with it by doing something that she loves, even if it is pressure on herself. And she has the support system of Zig and her other friends at this point to help her through it. Zig is like, uh, it's so sad because like, you know, he meant it. And even though they haven't been like the closest in the last year, like, obviously he would have done anything for her. Zig. That's why we love him. Yes. <laughs> also, I was incorrect, though. She said dream, not music. I mean, her dream is music. Yeah, I know. But it would have been cooler if I quoted it right. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> Can't win them all. <laughs> but yeah, so most of season four is pretty much her using music to kind of get to a better place in her life. And in the last episode, she has a little slip up, right? When she starts being worried that she causes problems for everybody around her <laughs> yeah so what did you think about that I mean that that's kind of a result of her getting help I don't know if that's like a result of growth I think that was like her depression brain her sad brain telling her that and then now that she is like help she's putting herself out there more you know she's trying to be a better friend because she's medicated I'm guessing <laughs> I guess for me it's like what caused Maya to change her mind about that, I guess, was when she got Esme help. She is the one who gets Ms. Grell to intervene with Esme. That's what kind of causes Maya to quickly realize that, oh, yeah, maybe I am a positive influence on people's lives. Because especially with Esme, she says herself that, oh, Esme is in a similar place as I was, and I didn't get help. So we need to get Esme help. And Maya's the first and only person to actually take that step to get Esme help. Yes, that's very true. And I think that is a great callback, a, a small callback to when she was having anxiety about Miles and helping him out. Because that was, that, that whole thing was like, oh, the people I care about are going to die if I don't intervene and help them. But now yeah. Maya has gone through so much growth and she realizes when somebody is in actual trouble and she's actually able to get them good help and she's in a better place to actually help other people. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I was going to say, do you think it's just, it's also because she's not actually like friends with Esme? So it's a lot easier to be like, go with someone else. Well, I think helping Esme was also helping Zig, wasn't it? Yes. And also Esme was like scary crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so it's kind of like 
like we talked about with Esme that Maya and Esme kind of have parallel mental health journeys. But Maya yes. was able to get herself to a better place that she could help the next person who's having similar problems as she was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I can see that. I don't think I would have made that connection back to when she was trying to like help everybody all the time because that was when Maya had friends. Maya has no friends in the season three. Yeah. Okay, so really the last thing I just wanted to talk about was her last exit song because- Oh my God, that's such a good song. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful song. And what I love most about it is she initially writes the song as like a goodbye to life and being like, yes. oh, I'm going to die. And like, this is my last exit from life. But in season four, at the end, she redefines the song for herself from saying goodbye to life to saying goodbye to this chapter of her life. And I'm looking forward to the future. Yeah. So I think that is really beautiful. And I think really helps sum up Maya's character overall from the very beginning. That song was like so perfect too. And I totally get why she shouldn't or couldn't have played it at the talent show, unfortunately. But Black or White is also a great song, so it's okay. I mean, she couldn't sing it at the talent show, but then she sang it at graduation, so. Yeah, I guess it had been long enough since. Like, I don't even know. We didn't yeah, get like, to see the talent show, so. Yeah, the, the, the seniors are going away. We don't care if they kill themselves now. Oh my god. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> but jokes aside, the the final scene of Al Degrassi, as we know it currently, is Maya and Zig going off to California. And it's Maya singing the lines, I'll take the last exit to freedom and the last chance to be free. And watching that scene always gets me so teary-eyed because it just oh. shows how far Maya has come over the years, like just battling the trauma from Cam and all her boy drama and now gutting through a suicide attempt. And now she's finally in a better place and looking forward to the future that she worked so hard to make for herself. And Are you it's getting just, emotional? I am. I love Maya so much. Oh my god. And she's with Zig too, who she's had so many ups and downs with over the years. But now they're like great friends. They're like moving to California together. They're implied to get back together. OTP. Oh, absolutely. They need to, if anything. So like Maya is just, in my opinion, the objectively best Degrassi character because of how great her character arc is from start to finish. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think this one, they actually start to finish followed through. And I wonder just... how much of her actress was involved too. Because I feel like if you have like an actress that's like, I want this, this, and this, and like she was right because she knows the character. I'd believe it. Right? It's just like they told a consistent story with her and it didn't really feel repetitive or that she was overexposed or anything. Pretty much everything she did felt in character. yeah. She's just fantastic through and through. I know. Part of me wants to just watch all of her stuff from like start to finish. I'm down if you are. <laughs> no, we're going to have the Maya Matlin show. Oh, I would watch a show just about Maya. I know you would, but also I would too. It was so good. And I'm just so glad that she's in a happy place, even though she is, she has changed as a person. But like she's working on it every day. Oh, I just yeah. love you just love her. If, if you don't stand Maya, who are you? Oh, I totally agree. 
No, there's no reason not to. And if I ever said so in the past, I was wrong. <laughs> I don't think you ever did. Right? Because there's nothing wrong with, like, I feel like she's got, she had all, not all great plots, but, like, all of her plots were just, she did a great job with what she got. Absolutely. Especially these last two seasons. Like, are you kidding me? It's so crazy. Okay. Well, that is all I have. Wow. <laughs> are you sure? <laughs> You love Maya so much. I do. She she is, I, I, I still always love Fiona more, of course. But in terms of if you're taking like a writing class, I guess, Maya would be like the best, the best written yes. character. Yeah. Like Claire had potential, but then they just ran her into the ground with plot overload. <laughs> right. And then Emma married Spinner, so there was no chance for her. Darcy could have been it, but then she became too famous. <laughs> Well, we could talk about all of those characters in our modern Degrassi wrap-up coming soon. <laughs> yeah. So this is the end of next class. We will, I think, do a full retrospective next time on both next class and everything else. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon.